Donald Jeffries. Donald Jeffries. Author of Hidden History and Survival of the Richest. Host of the Donald Jeffries Show. Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray Valentine. Host of the Infinite Fringe Podcast. Researcher. Truth seeker from the Bronx, New York. Tony Arterburn. Tony Arterburn. Radio host. Combat veteran. Precious metals analyst. And alt historian. Together, they take on the headlines of the week, decode the disinformation, and plow through the mainstream propaganda. Unauthorized, unscripted, and unintimidated. Unintimidated. This is America Unplugged. What is going on? Welcome, everybody, to America Unplugged. It is Easter weekend here in the United States. Hope everybody's doing well. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Billy the Kid, what's going on? We're going to do it once more. we got the usual suspects and, of course, the honorary suspect. I see him. We're going to get to him in just a second. Mr. Tony Arterburn, the wisest of all the wolves. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good to see you, Billy. Good to see Don. Good to see Wayne. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Don Jeffries, the legendary. What's going on? Always great to be with you guys on this uh, Easter weekend. And uh, we will have some great stuff to discuss, as we always do. Right, right, right. And, and uh, reached out to Mr. Wayne McCroy. Had to have him on. I was like, come on, do it. And, 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 you know, he actually had time. And here he is. What's up, Mr. Wayne McCroy? Welcome back to, to uh, America Unplugged. Happy to have you. Greetings, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be here and have a good discussion with you, gentlemen, about various topics in this right. crazy clown world in which we live. <laughs> so plenty, plenty, plenty has gone on. I was down at, at the Trump uh, arraignment. I was there. You know, I have the shirt that says I was at the Trump arraignment it's dope, <laughs> with, a, with a giant uh, Donald Trump face. Um, But I took video. Some reason I couldn't get it onto my computer to edit it and, and use it here. I, I don't know what's going on. I need a new a new phone, but uh, the video exists. Uh, so I will hopefully have it ready for you by next week. Let's hope. Uh, very interesting stuff. It was fun. Uh, no one was there. And by no one, I mean about 400 people more or less, give or take. And um, a lot of those people were reporters. And there was also the anti-Trump crowd, um, which wasn't as big as the pro-Trump crowd, but nobody asked them to come out there. They just did. Uh, but considering that they were busing people in from different states and uh, New York itself, uh, it really wasn't a lot of people out there. Whatever, we can talk about that at some point. But um, RFK Jr., we can start with the dude himself who was running for president of the United States. It's official. He's doing it, right? What does this mean? I I, I have my thoughts, but I want to get the panel's uh, thoughts on this. And I want to talk about Easter. Uh, so we'll do that. Wayne, Wayne is going to help us out with that. Anyway, um, Tony, what's up? RFK Jr. is running for president. We spoke about this when it was rumored, but now it's happening. What's up? Well, I applaud that. We need as many voices as possible uh, speaking out against uh, the genetic code injection and Operation Warp Speed and mandatory vaccines and passports and all of that. And RFK has been a great voice. Um, I don't agree with him uh, with his politics. He's obviously running as a Democrat. Uh, that hurts him, I think, uh, instead of running as an independent. Um, they're going to they're going to just uh, keep him. Uh, 86 to as much as possible from any live debates. They'll make fun of him. They'll run like, uh, you know, headlines that again, like I went on David Knight show uh, yesterday and I said, um, you should put uh, anti-vaxxer joins David Knight. Cause that's what they're going to say about RFK jr is anti-vaxxer, this anti-vaxxer, that not really listening to his points. But I think, you know, 
courage is contagious. The more people like RFK Jr. that uh, obviously see the the hidden agenda here, that step out and speak out, and um, you know, he wrote that book on Anthony Fauci, which I thought was magnificent, and uh, and you know, again, shedding light on the establishment and um, the you know, Operation Dark Winter, NIH collusion, and all that stuff. So I think that's great. Um, you know, and, and his family history, uh, he knows what happened. You know, he's he spoke out on that. I know Don knows a, a ton more about this than I do. Um, but, you know, he, he knows about the um, the, the CIA and the, their role in his father's death and his uncle's death. Um, so he's no stranger to this. I think it takes a lot of courage. You know, uh, Teddy Kennedy, um, he threw his hat in the ring against uh, Jimmy Carter in uh, in 1980, um, which seems like, you know, and Don mentioned this in his book, Hidden History, how strange that was that he picked that time uh, to run against an incumbent. But, you know. That was the last Kennedy that really ran for for president. J JFK Jr. might have. We don't know. Um, you know, he <laughs> whatever happened to him. Right. Uh, from, we, we don't know. Um, but whatever happened to him uh, kept him from running. So I think this is a, a breath of fresh air. We need more of it. The two party system is strangling us. Uh, that's where the truth goes to die. It's where opposition goes to die as a two party system. However, if you get people like a Ron Paul or like an RFK Jr., uh, to step in and start mixing up the debate. I'm, I'm interested to see how many polls he starts winning and the media covered it up like they did with Ron Paul. Uh, yes. that, that was always fun for me to watch, you know, at 28 when he was running for president the first time, like they would see, you'd see the polls and they go, well, Mitt Romney came in as a strong <laughs> silver. And, like, Ron Paul won the, and they would just like, ignore Ron Paul. And uh, I think they might do the same thing for RFK Jr. What do you have to say? And then I'm coming to, to the rest of the panel. But what do you have to say about the possibility of Steve Bannon being involved in this? There's an article that came out. I sent it to you guys this morning that uh, it was Saloon reporting on it in CBS News that uh, that Steve Bannon wants RFK Jr. and uh, and talked to him and promoted him running for president to be the chaos candidate. We always talk about um, about Steve Bannon being a chaos magician openly. You know, I mean, and I don't think he'll say it in those terms anymore, but uh, here we are. What do you think about that? That's interesting. Is that confirmed? Yeah. Is it, is, so it's confirmed. Well, I mean, it's confirmed as, as far as it's been reported by the mainstream. I, I mean, it could be refuted. It hasn't been yet. But go ahead. Well, uh, you know, be careful the deals you make with the devil. Really? Uh, I just, uh, for RFK Jr.'s sake, I mean, if you, we know anything about Steve Bannon, uh, it's a, a wild card, some sort of insider deal. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what to make of him. Uh, you know, you've done a lot more research on Steve Bannon than I. Uh, but you know, go back to that that book, uh, Fire and Fury. Mm -hmm. uh, was, it, was it Michael Wolf that interviewed Steve Bannon? He wanted to be president. And, uh, you know, he thought uh, Don Jr. should go to jail. I mean, that was the that's one of the reasons he got fired from the Trump White House or was uh, let go or whatever you want to call it. sloppy Steve. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't trust Steve Bannon. Uh, I'm not sure uh, the chaos candidate. I don't think that's RFK Jr. Uh, I think he's a, a lot more intelligent. He's a lot more stable. Um, he's not going to he's not going to read talking points. I, I don't think that's that's not what I get from him. He's not going to be a good Cambridge Analytica automaton. So that may not work. All right. I, I think of the he had it right the first time. Chaos candidate is Donald Trump. You know, so he was he was uh, intimately involved with all of that. Don Jeffries, what are you thinking? This is your boy. This is my um, boy. This, this is, is my boy. boy. I, 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 know, I know how you feel about him. Let, what, yeah. He's running for president. Does he stand a chance? Well, no, probably not. But, uh, you know, but again, that's part of me. You know, it brings back memories of uh, 
my political awakening, my first, not, not to the point where I knew really what was going on, but my first uh, interest in politics is uh, when I was uh, about 11 years old, when Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Sr. ran for president. And I followed, that's where I became a political junkie. I knew about the primaries. I understood the primary process. I kept track of when he was winning and uh, was crushed. You know, obviously when he was shot in California, so that had a huge impact on me. And so, uh, you know, those, those are almost like family type ties that are strong. So when I see his son running and saying all the great stuff he's saying, and David, David Knight did the best analysis on it. He broke down RFK's candidacy and he, he talked about how he stood on all the issues. And I was shocked about how good he is on everything. He's great on foreign policy. He blasted all our neocon effort. He, he was perfect on foreign policy. Little concern still about the climate change stuff. He's made some you know bad comments about that in the past, but I think he's really evolved and he's seen the the craziness of the last couple of years. And uh, Steve Bannon's involvement is 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 very strange. But like Tony said, he's a real wild card. I can't figure him out because you know on on at one hand he was kind of Trump's only real deal appointment. He was the only one that was pushing some of this populist stuff, you know. But then he has a lot of baggage, and then. He's really pushed my friend Naomi Wolf. You know, he has her, he's had her on the war room. He's given her the biggest platform she has when everybody else is banning her other than Tucker Carlson. And uh, so I don't know if Bannon is involved or you can trust him at all, but it's hard to believe that he wouldn't support Trump. I don't know, over uh, RFK Jr. Maybe he wants, he does want the chaos. I will look forward to seeing what those early polls say. If... I would be shocked if they didn't have him down, you know, way below Biden and claiming he has no chance. I mean, I, 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 because that's what that's the reason for these pre-election polls, is that they they're they're just to manipulate the voters. So you know, if you go back in the day when you, somebody like I I liked like Dennis Kucinich, or Cynthia McKinney, you know, voters that may like her would look and say, oh God, they're one percent of the polls. They don't have any chance. I better go for Howard Dean or something. You know, that's who whoever they claim was going to some exciting <laughs> candidate. Yeah, exactly. And uh so I would be shocked if uh you know it's the same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. We saw how Tulsi Gabbard I thought performed really well, eviscerated Kamala Harris in a debate, but Kamala Harris ended up with his vice president while her candidate was her candidacy was nothing and Tulsi Gabbard became became so smeared by the Democrats now she's a Republican. So I don't know, but I, I, I'm with Tony. I think he, RFK Jr. is an independent. He's he, he may be naive enough to believe that this is still, uh, you know, 1980 when Teddy ran as a Democrat, and Teddy couldn't beat the establishment. That even though he was certainly where they wanted him to be on most issues, he was a Kennedy, and I think that's why the main reason they'll go after him. Yeah, the anti-vaccine certainly doesn't help, but he's got that Kennedy name and they don't want any Kennedys in power anymore. They're, they're, they're very, you see this, um, uh, his, uh, Teddy's, uh, grandson, Patrick Kennedy's or whatever, who was, he was a mainstream liberal, whatever. They still made sure they got him out of there. Edward Markey, this old dinosaur supposedly beat him in Massachusetts. So I don't know if it's possible because RFK Jr., realistically, much of his support would come from Trump voters. So uh, I would think, you know, I mean, how many how many Democrats today I think you're are going right. to vote for that? So I, I don't know. It'd be, and of course, he's if he didn't have that damn, uh, you know, voice problem, right. yeah, which he got from his grandmother. If you listen to Rose Kennedy speak, I forget the name of it, but it's it's a thing. And it's one of his sisters has it, too. 
It's just a shame his, his his big mouth doofus brother Joe Kennedy Jr. who was in Congress and was horrible for years. You know he can speak just fine. You know, but 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 Bobby who has great stuff to say can't, and it's it's a shame because they will make fun of him. Saturday Night Live will have skits about it. The left doesn't care. You know they, they don't care fat shaming and all that. They'll voice shame him. I, I would be shocked that they didn't. And uh, they've already the attacks have already started. Vanity Fair, which is one of the worst of the uh, the mainstream publications now did an attack piece and claimed he was the worst candidate of all. So presumably mm. they mean Trump. Now, for them to hate anybody more than Trump, oh, I mean, come on. They said he was the worst possible candidate. So, because uh, again, Trump is touting the vaccine. So, uh, and, and, you know, if, if, if Bobby did show some signs that he might be the candidate, can you imagine what Trump would do with his voice? He would get right down there at the at the fifth grade level. You know he would. He'd start spazzing out like he did the other time. He he would make fun of his voice, and uh, and I don't know that that vote would probably be split. I I don't know. It's it's it, but it does make it interesting. And like David said, and like other people said, that his candidacy is a good thing just because it does bring these issues that nobody else is going to be talking about these vaccines. And hopefully he'll talk enough about foreign policy like a Rand Paul would, because he believes that. He, he understands that these are disastrous, the neocon foreign policy. So I, But I'm a fanboy, so I'm not looking at it realistically, and I, I understand. I've, John Barber's told me stories about him that uh, don't reflect well on him. And uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know. All I can do is he seems courageous. Children's Health Defense, I think, is a great organization. Del Bigtree, I've had him on my show. That's his aide. And, um, Sherry Tenpenny, who's going to write in the forward to my book on COVID, is, is friends with him. So we have all these connections. I just can't get to him. Certainly now he's running for president. There's no chance of that. But I, I wish him the best. But there's, you know, when you're a little kid and you you remember something like RFK's campaign, it was very romantic kind of like, you know, they had a, a great song uh, that John Stewart wrote. Not not the John Stewart, that uh, <laughs> the crappy guy that's on TV now, but a, a, a forgotten uh folk artist uh, way back in the day wrote a song called the last campaign and a lot of people felt that that was like the last gas but he uh because he was the his father was the last candidate to make poverty a central issue and he didn't have anything about race although a lot of it was black poverty but he went to appalachia that was the last time anybody's gone to appalachia where the poorest people in this country are and uh so i you know i i still get inspired by the tiny ripples of hope thing so there's there's a part of me that's unrealistically hoping, and I, I know there's no chance in my, but in my heart, I still got to believe that he has, you know, that he's, it's, it's exciting to me anyhow. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's a uh, very candid, very dope. Love that. Um, he has a horrible voice. His voice is so <laughs> horrible. You can't understand him. Anyway, that, that, that's probably the way it would go. <laughs> I, I, I have some thoughts on all of that, uh, but I want to go to Wayne. Wayne, what's up? All right. Well, first of all, if Bannon's interested, you know that there's some type of a co-op going on, right. if that's the case. So it, it, regardless of what Kennedy's intentions are, you have to understand that they're going to play the game, right? All of these people behind the scenes who really run things, and I'm not talking about these in-your-face public government officials. It's the ones behind the, show, behind the scenes that really run the show. They're going to push the candidates they're going to push, and they have different reasons for that. So if Kennedy's getting the nod here, you better believe that it's been approved by those insiders. And if it's been approved by those insiders, they have something in mind for this. And what is it? 
Well, I think it largely reflects upon the things that Don was just speaking about. We still have this hopeful optimism with this because here's a guy that has all the right policies in mind, puts them forward, and he speaks the minds of the majority of the people. So they want us to get behind this candidate and they want us to get behind him for a reason. And could that be to maybe deflect a little from Trump, uh, take away votes from Trump? Because as Tony articulately pointed out here, the, the bulk of the people who would vote for Kennedy are, are the same ones that would probably vote for Trump. And I think by and large, him running under the Democrat ticket is going to hurt him more than anything, just like his running would hurt Trump. So here you go. Maybe he is the chaos candidate or maybe he's there just to deflect votes away from one or the other. And maybe Trump's the same thing to deflect votes away from Kennedy. So it's these insider games that go on that we see all the time. And it's all more or less a stage show production in my view. So regardless of what the guy's intentions are, and if he's really legitimately thinking he's running and he's going to do some good, he's going to get co-opted at some point because that's just what happens in D.C. Regardless of what your intentions are, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We've heard that expression before. And all of these guys who maybe have some grassroots push or something like that, oftentimes will get into office and then they start doing the same old thing everybody else in politics has done for years and years and they get co-opted into the system. And that largely has to do with guys working behind the scenes like Bannon, in my estimation. So there's some kind of a psyop attached to this in my estimation of things. So I'm not necessarily the most schooled politically here among us, but I, I know what I see and I know how a lot of these people operate behind the scenes. And it's not usually the people you think running the show who are really running the show. We have all these unelected cabinets and stuff like that behind the scenes that always work and seem to pass from the different regime, one regime to the next here, one, one administration to the next. And they run things behind the scenes and they push certain agendas. And you got to know that they have all kinds of data and analytics that they look at to see who's going to be a viable candidate here, who's going to create the kind of division that we need to get the candidate that we want in place. And I think, as I said here, it seems to me that the decision to let RFK run on the ticket here is to try to split the vote between Trump and him. And they just gave Trump this big push by politicizing this whole nonsense of him going to court and everything else here this past weekend. We, we see that that's only going to help his numbers, Trump's numbers. But now that you introduce this wild card into the mix, now not so sure which way to go. See, these guys, even though they're devious, they're very intelligent and they know how to work the public. So now guys like us that sit back and try to analyze this stuff, where do we go? What, what do we figure from what they're doing? It's right. They've changed the rules of engagement here. Right. Uh, you, you don't know what their true plan is anymore. They're smart. They always stay three steps ahead. And, and that's what we need to try to figure out. Why, what are they thinking here? And maybe it is this whole chaos candidate ideology, because, you know, they like to work order out of chaos. So that's one of their primary criteria. And perhaps the introduction of RFK on the ticket is to introduce this new type of chaos because they truly want to get to the minds of the voters. I mean, by and large, 
I think they understand how most American voters are thinking right now. And J R R F K Jr. represents a lot of what the people are looking for right now, because we've had so much of the nonsense these past several years since the Trump administration and now the Biden administration. People are tired of seeing the controlled demolition of American society here, and they want people to represent their interests. And RFK, he's got it right on a lot of the different issues that we have. So maybe people will get behind him and this will split the vote between him and Trump in a certain way. And who knows? It's still a little early to tell who we're going to get saddled with for the, the, you know, the main election here. But, you know, at this point, we can see the games that are being played if we just sit back and watch. I don't know what the results are going to be. Don't really know what the plan is. I can't really speculate as to that. But I do see this as throwing a wrench in the works. So that's my take on the whole thing. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. So so the, the headline is Steve Bannon spent months recruiting anti-vaxxer. There you go. Um, tone. It already started. Recruiting anti-vaxxer RFK Jr. to run against Biden as the chaos agent. And then it says, um, and these are quotes. It says uh, that they wanted uh, Kennedy to be a useful chaos agent in the election while also spending uh, spreading anti-vaccine uh, sentiment around the country. Uh, and that's according to CBS News. So, I mean, um, anytime Steve Bannon is involved with anything, you got to be super suspicious about it. Just have to be. Um, I, I, I'm not even in the camp that I can't figure him out or I don't know what to think about him. I think the guy's a piece of filth, man. I, I Personally, you know, I, I don't think uh, we as a country should have anything to do with him and anything to do with the things he's saying. If he's saying them, odds are he doesn't even believe it. He's just throwing it out there. It's his words, shovel the zone with shit. This is his terminology that he uses um, as to, you know, whenever you want to, um, for whatever agenda you want to fulfill, man, just just throw whatever whatever's out there and, and, and uh, get people confused, as confused as possible. So who knows what's going on here? As far as RFK goes, um, and I was talking to my wife earlier this morning, I was like, this is a popularity contest. The presidency of the United States is a popularity contest. This is what we need to understand here in the alternative media. It's not about the policies. It's not. Nobody, people don't even know about it. You know, it's either how much they hate somebody or how much they love somebody. That's it. That's, that's what's going on here. And the problem with RFK is his voice. Done. He's 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 dead in the water. Not to mention that they're going to, I mean, freaking just drown him in the anti-vax. It already started. Tone. Tone pointed it out. It's already started. You you won't you will not see a headline of RFK Jr. that isn't coupled with anti-vaxxer. You will see it there, and and that and he's done. There are some rumors going around that maybe Trump will take RFK Jr. as his vice president. That'll be the death blow to 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 that. Uh, if 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 Trump decides to run, that'll be the. I mean, if Trump decides to do that, which he won't, I don't think. But if he ever decided to do that, it's done. It's over. I mean, it's already over. And that, that's what I need people to read. At least I think I was wrong about Cody Rhodes and WrestleMania guys. And I, and I, I know I told people to go to Vegas and bet I was wrong. I don't know what happened. Um, so I could be wrong about this, but man, I, I don't know. It doesn't look very good for Donald Trump right now as it stands. Uh, I don't know who we're going to get from the Democrats, but this, this looks like a real crap show to me. Tony, I'm going to give you clo uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here for another topic. Go ahead, bro. Well, I mean, I agree with you in, in regards to Trump. I mean, in this, I asked last week, what level of the PSYOP are we in? 
And, uh, you know, Wayne mentioned this is this recent, um, not his arrest, but his arraignment and charges, <laughs> indictment uh, has boosted right. his poll numbers, kind of like the Mar-a-Lago raid did. And that's you know, something we talked about months ago. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it's a lock that he's the nominee. I keep going back and forth. Like, how's, what does this mean? Uh, I know that the controllers in the Republican Party would love to see an acceptable neocon rise to the top, somebody like a Nikki Haley, so they can get World War Three on. Uh, and get the base behind it, because right now the, the Republican base, because Donald Trump read the Cambridge Analytica talking points in 2016, um, they're not pro-war. That was something that was a, a bend in the river about the time I ran for Congress. I started talking about bringing the troops homes and it was it was uh, well received in, in, in deep East Texas, you know, in, in in the Tea Party country. Very conservative. It was very well received. And then, of course, Trump came along and uh, the rest of the base got behind that sentiment. So they're going to have to do something drastic. I don't think they can use Trump that way. I don't know, though, because they've used him for everything else. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a little agnostic on that. I mean, there's, you know, that that author back in the late 19th century, Ingersoll Lockwood, wrote that, uh, you know, the the adventures of little Baron Trump. You know, everybody said that Trump's a time traveler and uh, that uh, <laughs> his uncle his uncle John ran into or got the papers from uh, from Tesla, which is true, by the way. And uh, they crafted a time machine. But I think his supporters are time, time travelers because none of them went past the year 2017. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I'm the time traveler. I think your supporters are because you guys didn't realize what he did and how we got here. So it's really odd to watch. Um, but uh, but I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. Next, kind of like watching a horrible train accident. All right. Beautiful. Now um, let's talk about, you know, um, since we're talking about our RFK and anti-vaxxers, right? Technocracy, Technocracy News and Trends released uh, an article um, about a study that that was performed. Never heard of this dude, uh, Edward Dowd. Um, I, I don't know. He's on Twitter. He has 196,000 followers, and he's followed by people that I know. Uh, Rebunk News being one of them. He's new to me. I just started following him now. Uh, he's the founder of a technology company called uh, what what appears to be finance i could be screwing this up um but uh, anyway he, he and he's the author of a book of the epidemic of sudden death in 2021 and 2022 i think we need to talk to this guy uh sounds interesting as hell but um technocracy news and trends put this out and uh, according to to this article and according to the study that that this gentleman ran it said uh, uh vaccine damage uh 26.6 million uh, and that's in, in money, I think. And then he has an injured. It's 1.336 or vax damage, 20, 26.6 million injured, right? 1.36 million disabled, 300K excess death, and 150 billion in economic losses. Um, that's a hell of a, of a breakdown there. And, and the study is in detail broken down in technocracy news and trends. So go check that out. Uh, we've been talking about this for quite some time. Uh, some people in the alternative seem to think that the bubble is going to burst on this and that everybody in the mainstream is going to somehow come to terms with what's gone on and say, oh, my God, you know, the vaccine was horrible. And, um, you know, uh, start, you know, acting in that direction and voting for people who potentially subscribe to those views. I am not half as optimistic Stuff like this is coming out, but it's coming out to us. We are consuming it and we are regurgitating it and we are talking about it amongst ourselves. It's really not spreading outside the borders of the alternative media. 
Maybe, maybe Tucker Carlson will talk about it, but he's considered alternative media at this point anyway, because everybody in the alternative media is watching him, you know? So, I mean, so what does it really do for us? Is it really going to, is the bubble going to really burst is what I'm trying to say. I'm going to go to Don Jeffries first. What's up, buddy? What do you think? Yeah, Don's name's familiar to me. I'm not sure uh, about him. I have heard about him, but I don't know about anything really. Uh, yeah, I think again that the uh, I, I think that I don't believe that the people who are who are, have demonized us and you said uh, RFK Jr. still being called anti-vaxxer. This is such an emotional issue. I can't see them ever uh, acknowledging that we were right and the vaccines are dangerous. I, I don't think there are. There's very few people that have been converted on that for a long time. I mean, maybe early on they were people like uh, Mike Adams, you know, on, who was very you know, much, uh, you know, believing all that stuff for a long time. And then he, David Knight still criticized him for that. But there are very few people that have turned around on it recently. And the average person, I don't, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that had their feet planted in and was wearing the mask all the time and believed on it that is the least bit skeptical of it now. Even, even when they put out feelers in the media where they've kind of alluded to it, uh, the average person, at least the ones I know, they're not backing off at all. They're still getting their boosters. Uh, I still see masks out there and uh, they're still demonizing people like us on the issue. They're never going to admit we were right. I I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I, I don't know how we snap out of it. And this is another thing that's going on in the alternative media because we, we still, we haven't learned from our mistakes and we are still stuck in, in this echo chamber. And while we think that we've moved away from it, we really haven't. You just moved to another spot in the echo chamber. It's the same, the same echo chamber. Um, and, and we need to realize that. I think, I, I, I agree with you, Don. I, I think most people, even though we're growing, I think most people are still going to subscribe to the mainstream narrative of these vaccines and what they do for you. Um, and a ton of people took them and they're fine. Also, we need to keep that in mind, right? They were, they're walking around. Well, we don't know if they'll be fine later on, right? But right now they're walking around and it's fine and, and the appearance of it the perception of it is that right, and that right. this is why they're using the anti-vax uh, um, argument with RFK Jr. because they know people will have a visceral reaction to it and say, "Ah, oh, that guy's a crazy conspiracy theorist." Right? They don't mention anything about Epstein Island, though, which is it's just something I think they they should be uh, mentioning if they were genuine about this. But anyway, Tony, what's up? What do you think? I think this is the period in the simulation where they start giving people that will be held accountable uh, room to start backing away. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I've quoted this before, but, you know, the philosopher Schopenhauer said the truth goes through three phases. First, it is uh, mocked and then it's yeah. violently opposed and then it's accepted as it's always been self-evident. Um, I think we're moving close to the self-evident phase because the the, you know, the mocking of those who. Uh, stood out against this genetic code injection and Operation Warp Speed, and uh, those of us who thought, "Well, this is the logical conclusion to this whole thing. The psyop is a is a mandatory vax, which it was." And and that is, if you look at something like the Spars document, the 2017 simulation by Johns Hopkins, we're somewhere in that timeline, which is bizarre, but we are in that timeline. I think they're giving people a chance to back away. Um, they will use, I mean, in RFK Jr. is going to be basically laying down on the barbed wire. Uh, this is like trench warfare. And then he's really taking one for all of us who, because it's his reputation, his everything's going to get drugged through uh, an unimaginable gauntlet of awfulness. And uh, we're going to have to watch that. So I'm, I applaud his courage. But there's been a lot of us out, you know, we lost channels, we were censored. You know, um, there's people that have gone to jail, um, you know, for, for these type of, um, 
this type of protest against the establishment. Um, so I, I'm, you know, again, I think this is going to be a, uh, the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot more data coming out, you know, and uh, statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. That's <laughs> something that's happened the last few years, but it's, it, it's so overwhelming, Billy. And, and again, this is the, I don't have an agenda. When I started talking about this back in April of 2020 is the logical conclusion of how this ends up. Um, I didn't know, you know, about mRNA technology. I didn't know the word myocarditis or periocarditis. And I, I didn't know about that. I didn't, um, I just kind of gut level felt like this is where, if you knew anything about si the simulated stuff like Operation Dark Winter before yeah. that, that this is what they, this is what they always do. They always present you with this thing. Well, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, again, at the end of the day, we know everybody look at 2020 we were told it's the it's the worst uh the, you know it's it's ebola times aids divided by the black plague i mean it's like it, it's the worst thing and we had to all lock down and there's a it is every you know get in your house and watch netflix or you're gonna die and uh, they did this to us but no one really did i mean i mean let's face facts i mean let's look at the the actual numbers remember when they ran the story and you can go if they haven't memory hold it yet it was major publications the flu is dead they pronounce the death of the flu, like you like COVID fights it and eats it, like in some kind of ethereal realm, like where they're like they're by their for dominance, just the most unbelievable headlines. And they say, well, the flu's gone, you know, 97 percent just gone away. Nobody gets it anymore. <laughs> and 2020 was the year that, um, you know, the late great Bill Sardi put out a great article right towards the end of the year. He said, um, I posted without comment. And you know what it was? It was the total deaths. He said, stop looking at the uh, died from COVID, died from whatever. It, stop looking at categories. Look at totals because they really can't fudge that. It's just the total, right? So if you look at 2020, it was in comparison, adjusted for age and population. It's about the same as 2019, about the same as 2018. But we all know that something happened in 2021 because you fast forward to September of that year and we covered it ad nauseum. The CEO of One America Life Insurance, uh, you know, all these big uh, life insurance CEOs were saying, hey, we've seen a 40 percent increase in deaths from 18 to 64. And, and, and even they even they had to like play the I don't know how many members of the World Economic Forum they have on their staff, but they're all saying, well, it must be COVID hidden and no one's making care of it. Most evidence is just right there and they wouldn't still wouldn't get on board with it. But I know I think we're getting closer and I think they're giving time for people to backpedal and start saying, well, I wasn't for that. And that, that's kind of like the cooling off period before they get like the last people standing, which it, it you know, might, you know, nobody was fired for 9-11. Nobody was nobody's fired for any tragedies. Right. Or anything like that. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know if anybody ever be held accountable. I mean, look at the, the economic crashes. No one is ever held accountable for that. But I don't know. This may this is bigger than that. And uh, this may be the, the the biggest of all time, and, and uh, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, is there is there a Nuremberg too? I certainly hope so. Wow, 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 Wayne, you've done more research on this area than any of us, man. What do you what do you have to say to this? Well, I think it's becoming so obvious now the implications of this whole vaccination agenda that they've been running this whole time that they just can't seem to walk away from it now the way they've been. They can't backpedal anymore. They can't hide it or cover it up. It's obvious on the face of it. And most people that I've encountered in, you know, my regular interactions in day-to-day -day life, even the ones in the beginning, they 
blindly trusted and believed their government and went ahead and got this vaccine. Many of them have regretted doing that and have walked away from the boosters. So you see a lot of rejection of this by the masses at large. So, I mean, there are more people waking up to this. But one of the main issues we have, though, is this whole echo chamber thing that we have going on. It's all part of the censorship, the drive for censorship on this stuff. And our voices are not being heard on this subject outside of these small echo chambers we're in. Now, granted, we are growing in audience. There's more and more people trickling into the echo chamber. But sadly, the information doesn't get outside of the echo chamber to the people who need to hear it. And a lot of people are struggling with newfound health issues over the course of the past two years that they can't seem to put their finger on as to where it came from. I mean, why all of a sudden heart attacks? Why are children, why is it being normalized children having heart attacks and myocarditis and all of this stuff? And it's inexplicable. The doctors are baffled. Like, really? (laughs) We've been telling people this. I've been telling people this for a longer time. I've been out in the public since the end of 2017 warning people about the vaccine agenda because I saw the writing on the wall a long time ago and started doing my research. And just prior to COVID becoming a thing, Billy, you might remember, we were discussing some things about universal flu vaccines and stuff like that. They were working on new types of vaccines that I'd researched. And the mRNA component thereof was one of those things that they had been working on for a long time. They also work on one that's closely related to the mRNA vaccine called click vaccines based upon click chemistry. Uh, So like a lot of these things, they've been doing the scientific research for years on them. And they've been coming back with all kinds of bad data on them. And that's why they hadn't up until 2020, the end of 2020, actually implemented any of these things in human trials because they've had bad results in the animal trials. And therefore, a lot of them walked away from this. Uh, If you go back to the original SARS outbreak, they started trying to develop a vaccine based on this back then. And they had so many bad results from it that they just scrapped it and walked away and said, nah, we can't do this. Hmm. And they've picked this science back up now, this quote unquote science, as they like to call it. They picked this up now with Operation Warp Speed and pushed it forward in a timetable that's never been done with a a vaccine production before. And they'll tell you it's still, uh, they're still collecting the data. They don't know. It's still like a trial going on right now with the whole thing. And I think the simple fact that Pfizer wanted to hide the data that they had already had until 2076 from the public should be very telling for people. But of course, The American public at this point has the attention span of a goldfish. And I I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's been engineered that way on purpose. This is the TikTok generation after all. (laughs) But the problem with that is these things that came out back in 2021, things like uh, this Pfizer documentation, nine pages of side effects, nine pages chock full of side effects. Most people don't even ever see that. And the ones that do, they forget about it rather quickly. And they forget they wanted to hide this for like 70 years, 70 years. So they know, they know, they knew ahead of time they were going to start to see some bad outcomes from this. And they rolled it into market anyway in their Operation Warp Speed. And Trump was very much a proponent of this. And don't ever forget that. Hmm. Anybody out there who he fooled into thinking that 
maybe this was our guy really representing us. Don't forget, he's one of the main ones that pushed this early on and pushed the timetable on it. Don't forget that. So this is, in my estimation, something that has caused and will continue to cause irreparable harm to the American people. And yes, there are a lot of people who've taken it and seem, you know, none the worse for wear because of it. What you need to understand and what they won't tell you is that whenever they roll out a new technology like this, a new vaccine of sorts, they need to have not only the test subjects, but they need to have a control group. So in my estimation, and this is just me speculating, guys, I can't prove this, but in my estimation, it would seem they would have to put some type of a placebo out there along with this in order to get accurate data back. Because you don't just give people this without knowing what the baseline is. So in my estimation, they probably put some placebo out there. Mm. And a, a vast majority of people probably got some type of placebo. And make no mistake about it, in vaccine trials, a placebo is not what you would think. It's not saline. In most vaccine trials, the placebo they use is another vaccine. <coughs> With that being the case, perhaps they used something a little bit more conventional as a placebo here, like a regular flu shot or some such thing. And in so doing, they've got the data. I'm sure they collected the data secretly using lot numbers and stuff. And you hear about some lot numbers being worse than others. Well, this would kind of suggest that perhaps this is something that's gone on with it as well. Of course, you'll never get an admission to that. And as Tony pointed out, I think we're in the phase now where they're trying to give them a way to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm stepping back. I was never supportive of any of that stuff. And give them that little sense of plausible deniability so nothing will come of it. And they'll never admit a problem with it until the historical data comes in some 10, 15 years from now. And they see what has happened. And then there'll be lawsuits out the wazoo for Pfizer and for AstraZeneca and various other ones. And there are some actual big lawsuits out there happening right now because of this, that they're they're hush-hush about in the mainstream. So you're not going to hear an admission of guilt with this. People are just going to slowly back away from it and shy away from the subject altogether. So after all the politics involved is done and they're done painting somebody as an anti-vaxxer or anti-science candidate, which, of course, they will do. Uh, after that's all said and done, at some point, they'll step back from it and try to make it disappear into the background and forget about it. So that's my take on the whole subject here. No, thank you. Thank you for thank you for all of that. Um, and I spoke to uh, uh, the gentleman. What is it? Dennis O'Connor that 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 uh, Charlie Robinson had on his podcast. I spoke to him a, a few days ago. We didn't get an episode done because technical issues, um, but we're going to reconvene and do it again. But we spoke about the placebo effect, man. So it's funny you should mention that. And it was fascinating. You know, um, a couple of the things he said, he was just like, you know, like he, he brought some stories, you know, to, to the to the podcast about like people that were told by their doctors that they had cancer and that they had five months to live and then they died in five months. And then it turns yep. out they didn't have cancer at all. Right. You know, so it's incredible, you know, and, and I mean, those are outliers, right? These are rare instances that happen. Well, maybe not so rare. Maybe we don't know, but um, it, it speaks to the power of the human mind, you know, and, and how suggestible it can be at times or, 
you know, how easy it could be manipulated. You know, um, I, I know it's that way with me. You know, you, I see something on, on the television. I'm like, shingles, you know, oh, shit, do I have shingles? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 50 yet, you know, I'm, you know, whatever it is that you, you have to be to get this stuff. But you're like, you, you know, you start looking around and I'm like, you know, so that that happens to me. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I really wanted to talk to this guy. I, I thought he was fascinating. We'll bring him on America Unplugged at some point and, and discuss. He has a lot of a lot of knowledge to, to bring forth. But thank you for all that, Wayne. We appreciate you. I, I hit you up last minute. Did not know what we were going to talk about, but it all fell in line. So th thank you very much. And, and I do want to talk about Easter Sunday before we get out of here, uh, unless uh, somebody has another news, uh, newsworthy uh, issue that they want to discuss. Tone, do you have something? You want, you want to talk about gold? Go ahead. Well, there's some key indicators uh, that there's more changes on the horizon coming faster than people think uh, mm -hmm. with the U.S. dollar in colliding with uh, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. There's uh, many other nations that are applying. Uh, the, the dominating power of the do dollar is coming to an end, and uh, you need to be aware of that. We're not going to – this is something that isn't going to get better. Uh, <coughs> uh, this, Federal Reserve is is raising rates, trying to keep the dollar strong. The economy needs the injection of uh, quick uh, that that liquidity from the and the printing, the um, the quantitative easing. It's not going to get it uh, at least anytime soon because they can't do both. Um, so you're watching the price of precious metals rise. I mean, gold was uh, getting close to its all time high again. Uh, I broke two thousand and went into the two thousand thirty uh, range on overnight trades, and uh, we're still above two thousand right now. I think that's a trend that's probably going to continue into the near future, uh, breaking its all-time high again. Um, silver right now is in very short supply. Um, even though they don't really tell you that, you can go buy certificates on the stock market for SLV, and you know you could buy unlimited amounts of them. I don't know how that's possible when there's a limited amount of silver, but that's what you can do. Um, anyway, pe people need to be aware that that is, and that's something I talk about on my programs, and uh, and we will mention it here. But uh, be aware of that. That's uh, there's there's more that's going to get. Uh, I think there's a quickening that's going to happen. Not tomorrow, but that is uh, very soon. So start paying attention to that. Damn, man! At, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened tomorrow. Every every day, I'm getting something. Somebody hit me up. I think it was uh, I don't know something popped up on Instagram telling me that um, that in 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 Russia, the 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 UN has surpassed the dollar as yeah. Uh, yeah you want. Chinese yuan is the most trade. Now, the Russian finance minister back uh, almost a year ago said that they don't even because of this, the, uh, the sanctions that Biden put on Russia, they don't even trade in dollars and they gave up. And so that's when they got out of the SWIFT system. And that's when they're just been they've been going and selling discount uh, crude oil to India and China for gold. Um, but what you need to understand is something very interesting. Um, and I'll, I'll close with this. Central banks around the world, all of them are buying gold. And it doesn't really ever mention the U.S., but it mentions all these other countries. China's the leader. And the 52 tons in February alone is breaking breaking records again, folks. But uh, again, half of that was China. Uh, so China's loading up on gold. Now, it, it would be one thing if they if the if the powers that be, if the central banksters wanted the their holdings to increase in value, wouldn't they tell you to go buy gold? Because wouldn't that increase the, the value of their holdings? But they're not telling you to do that. So that's something that you should pay attention to. I'm paying attention to it. I know that the supply is very limited. There's the real world, and then there's the paper market and the fake market. I'm in the real market. I can see. I mean, I mean, I'm looking in the back office trying to find wholesalers to. When I told told you off air about 90% silver, I, I keep it for my Wolfpack members because there is none to be had. 
I can't buy it in the open market. There is none. So um, something to pay attention to. Very, very tight supply chain and a, uh, and, and a world that is uh, moving away from the, it's called de-dollarization. I've got two articles I printed out before I went on the David Knight show in the same day with the same headlines about de-dollarization. That is happening. It is happening. Wayne, you got thoughts? Yeah, man. I just want to point out the fact here that in the upcoming era that we're stepping into here, this era of central bank digital currencies that they really want to roll out on us, it's now more important than ever to try to get back to some real type of currency here. So what Tony is doing, I think, is a, a true benefit to humanity. If you can go ahead and afford to go ahead and buy some gold or silver, by all means do so. This is the only thing historically that has ever held value in the world as far as a currency system goes. The paper money and stuff we have, that's all fiat, and we all know that, right? But the whole point here is when they switch to digital currency, this is so much taking away the freedoms of humanity more so than ever before with this kind of a, a thing. So we need to keep physical currency alive and well, and it's through investing in things like gold and silver and real tangible assets. That's how we keep physical currency going, because the day that we lose physical currency as a thing is the day we give away more of our freedoms than have ever been done in the history of humanity. So it's important. Invest in gold, invest in silver, invest in real estate, invest in real goods, okay? Real tangible assets, things that you can hold in your hand and trade with one another that have some intrinsic value, not this phony fiat, right? We have a fiat cur currency right now. It's a paper currency that's fiat, but digital currency is fiat fiat. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's doubling down on that concept. And at least you have some physical thing that represents this in a physical sense. And the day that we do away with that is the day we lose our freedoms. So I think it's just something that's hugely important here to get involved. So Don, thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wayne. I thought you were finished. Go ahead, buddy. I was going to say that being the case, uh, I think now more than ever, if you have the means to do so, try to get a hold of something that's worth an actual value in this world rather than some digital fake thing that has no real world existence. The Wolfpack is dope, man. Uh, 50 bucks, 50 bucks will get you in and you get, you get, you know, max value for your dollar. Tone is not going to, uh, to stiff you in any way, man. It's, it's, it's the best thing I see going out there for people. The, the most economic thing. If you have some more money, there's a $500 tier you want to throw at it. Go ahead and do that. But, um, I, I think that's the best thing you can do right now. And, uh, and, and Tony's an honest guy. So uh, I trust Tony, you guys, uh, you know, if, if, if you're in, if you're in uh, the market for this stuff, I, I would go check out Wolfpack ASAP. All right, Don, tell me something. Well, certainly I, I, I would uh, bow to uh, both Tony and, and Wayne in terms of, of this area of expertise, but I do know how phony our, our money system is and it's back to nothing. It's legalized counterfeiting. And uh, if they go to digitalized currency, uh, it's over. You know, we talked about it before, especially because they're, they're not going to do it without coupling it with some kind of social credit system. And all of us are dead if they do that. And Cat uh, Goya in the chat was asking about uh, government benefits. I mean, people don't realize how many uh, people in America are uh, <clears throat> depend on Social Security and Medicare, older people, and how many people. That's why I try to tell my Republican friends all the time, you know, you just you want to rely on this crooked, even if the marketplace wasn't crooked and rigged, which I showed in my book, Survival of the Riches. 
there are millions of people just for whatever reason they have physical, mental, emotional problems, especially now in the era of vaccines with one of what's one every 30 kids or something like that is on the autism spectrum now. All these people, you know, you can't just sit there and say straighten up and fly right. Sometimes you can't do that. So you do need some kind of social safety, and especially when you built one up and you have all these people that are expecting to get social security and everything. And uh, Kat also mentions about uh, what we're seeing in Canada and that's coming to America, the suicide squad there. I mean, they have, I'm sure Tony heard about that. There was this vet, uh, this female veteran who uh, was complaining about her government housing uh, or apartment or whatever. It wasn't, didn't have wheelchair access, which is, you know, isn't that, you know, part of the agenda everywhere. And they basically told her, she kept complaining, but you know, maybe it's better. You want us to send somebody over and you can kill yourself. For, because she's complaining. I mean, that's where they are now. If you and the, you know how many Americans are depressed, how many people just had a bad day, and if if they don't have to do it themselves and they can cut, maybe it'll be cool or they can do it painlessly or whatever. How many Americans would take advantage of that? Hey, call up the Suicide Squad, have them come over, and and the media will push it like it's a good thing, especially for older people. That's coming. You're you're likely to see that sooner than you're going to see the infrastructure being rebuilt or them doing something about social security to try to actually save it, you know, to, uh, <clears throat> to actually tax all income or whatever, do, do something to try to save it. It's so that's the, my an analysis of, of the, uh, the economy. I don't, I don't understand gold and silver like Tony does, especially. So I, I, I bow to what he says there, but obviously that's historically the kind of money you want that lasts beyond any kind of, uh, especially a ridiculous kind of fiat money system, like our uh, illegal and criminal Federal Reserve. No, I, you know, I, I think um, what Kat brought up was was very, you know, it's it's a very good thing to discuss, right? So, I mean, they're they're you know openly embracing you know assisted suicide in in, in Canada, and and you look at people that are stage four cancer and they're suffering, or and, and you like yeah. you can understand why they would want to go that route. But the problem is right, and and I had a, a discussion with April Hunter. And we were talking about this and, and, and I'm like, well, the, the problem here is that it's the death panels that come after it because they're going to start recommending suicide. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, you can, you know, have this surgery cost about, you know, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 or whatever the hell it costs. Right. <laughs> or you can kill yourself. You know, it, it's going to be lit. I mean, I know it sounds freaking crazy, but it's literally because it's already being done in Canada. They're, they're pushing it as an option. You know, you can always, you know, choose to check out if you feel that way. How are you feeling? Are you depressed? Bam, 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 bam. You know what? The whole deal. So, I mean, it's a really slippery slope. I'd rather not get on the slope personally. All right. But uh, we can't give these people anything. You give them an inch, they'll take a mile and then some. You know, so, yeah, they'll use it against us and, and, and try to get us to die. Because, I mean, they're doing a really good job of it already, right? The, the West is declining in population. You know, our, our sperm count is down. Testosterone is down. The whole deal. They're doing their thing here. They're just trying to add on. It's a cherry on top, you know, what they're trying to pull off here. Okay, real quick, I want to talk about Easter. Then we're getting up out of here. I'm going to throw it to Wayne first, and then we'll get thoughts of everybody else. Now, Wayne, Easter Sunday is tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I am a Christian. I, I celebrate, right? But, I, but it's, it's not, you know, I understand the origins of this holiday, where it comes from, how it relates to the, to the equinox, the spring equinox, and the whole deal, right? Uh, not necessarily a Christian holiday, right? You can say, you can even call it pagan. A lot of people out there, I, I mean, some people won't. Maybe maybe Wayne doesn't, but you can make an argument for that. Anyway, tell us what's up, Wayne. What's going on? 
All right. Well, Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. This is probably the most important holiday of the year, in my estimation. I am a Christian. I am an unapologetic Christian. I, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. And I do my best to try to steer people towards that type of a relationship with God. It's not about religion, guys. It's a relationship with God. Make sure your heart is right with your creator. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. And we see in real time unfolding before our eyes the things mentioned in the book of Revelation coming to pass. So understanding that, is it self-fulfilling prophecy? Are there people manipulating this to make these things come to pass in this type of a blueprint? Perhaps. Or is it really the actual, real, manifest word of God coming to fruition before our eyes? Also, perhaps. I don't have all the answers. Never claim to. But I do know the things I've experienced in my own personal relationship with God. And I would just encourage everyone, make sure your heart's right with God, because we are living in times that are very much unprecedented. So with that being the case, it's important to have that right relationship with God. Now, if you go back and you look into the mystery school teachings of some of these ancient groups, these occult fraternities that go back to pre-Christian times, yes, much of the tradition that we celebrate on Easter is based upon fertility rites and rituals because it is springtime. It is the new budding of life, as it were, in the seasonal progression of things here in this place. So we've always had these traditions and the symbols that are attached to Easter, things like the rabbit, which right now, by the way, guys, to the occultists is hugely important because we are in the Chinese year of the rabbit. So everything that happens this year has some connotation or symbolism attached to it relating to the rabbit, the moon, and China. You'll mm -hmm. notice, pay close attention. These are esoteric tells in the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist is the spirit of the times. And this kind of thing is going on, and there are these dark occultists at the top of the power structure that like to try to manipulate and use these energetic principles to steer the masses in certain directions. So pay close attention. You'll notice there's a lot of talk about the Chang'e myth. That's the myth of uh, the moon, the moon goddess, and the rabbit, the moon rabbit, the jade rabbit on the moon. And, of course, the, the Chinese space probe that's on the moon is named Chang'e. And it's spelled just like the word change with a little apostrophe in there. But uh, if people are interested in that, you could check that out. Because all these things are important to some of these dark occultists at the top of the power structure that are running things in this world. So they look at this stuff and they try to manipulate these symbols and these energetic principles in certain ways. And we do have the Easter season upon us, which is new life, the birth of new life after the long winter of fecundity or the process in which things happen in the invisible realms, according to the mystery teachings, take all this stuff with a grain of salt. I always advise people no way to really prove nor disprove anything they tell you, but these are the kind of things they seek and they teach within the secret society groups and the occult fraternities. So they teach that we have these energies inherent with the cycles of the season that come into play. And that's why they plan things in the ways that they do. Things happen at certain times of the year in these major world changing events that they plan. Uh, so they manipulate these energies. And a lot of this does tie back to what they call astrotheology, as Billy was alluding to there. So 
they try their very best to realign with many of these old pagan teachings, as you might call them. And much of Christianity has been built upon this pagan background, these pagan beliefs and teachings. So a lot of the mainline religious structure we get and the religious celebrations and the holiday symbolism ties back to older times, going back to Saturnalian principles. Uh, so when you realize that, know that even this has been manipulated by the power structure in many ways, and it's been going on for a long, long time uh, where the manipulation's there. But the important thing is right relationship with God. Understand what he did for us. Understand he made a way for us where there was none. And Jesus advised us he would be a stumbling block to these people. And he is. The wisdom they try to teach you in these mystery schools fumbles when it comes to Jesus. They have to acknowledge him. They can't ignore him. So they try to invest him into their ideologies and teachings and make him one of their ascended masters. But it doesn't always align or work the way that they would hope. So with that being the case, understand something important about the Easter season. We have a way where there was none before. It's a free gift, nothing you need to work for. Salvation's a free gift offered just by the grace of God. So when you understand that and you accept that gift, that's all there is to it. You can be assured eternal life and you could be assured the good graces of the Lord. And that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for letting me preach a little, guys. <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, was complete and total freestyle off the top. No preparation because <laughs> I threw it at him like literally 10 minutes before the show. Incredible, Mr. Wayne McCroy. That's exactly what I wanted. So beautiful. So well put. That's the dude, Wayne McCroy. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let him uh, uh, say where you can find him at the end of the show. Let me go to the rest of the guys. Tone, what's up? What are you thinking, man? Well, I, you know, you look at uh, Easter Sunday and, uh, I, you know, the, the story about he has risen. And um, that's something that, that later in life I've just become more and more, uh, I gravitate towards that, knowing about the, the, the agenda of our world, the material world, the darkness that can exist in the heart of man. And if you look at that central story, you know, the people try to debunk it. Uh, by saying, well, it's a pagan holiday, you know, and Christmas, look at all these other uh, gods that were you know, born on the 25th of December and all, you know, all throughout the Mediterranean. Well, they're missing the point. The point is the story is true, but you're laying on other, I think they were for a continuity through the Roman Empire of old myths and old traditions to try to codify that. Um, so I'm not so concerned with the fact that it's a fertility ride and it's the spring equinox or anything like that. Is, he's, Wayne's right about that. And it's the year of the rabbit. There's a lot of the occult symbolism. Occult symbol, cult just means hidden. You know, these are hidden signs and symbols. The symbology of it all is in there. But the one central thing that runs through it is Jesus. That's the one central thing that's true. And I say this because you, you take a man like Will Durant. Um, you know, you, uh, on my bookshelf behind me, I've got the entire uh, 11 volumes of the story of civilization. He wrote the story of philosophy, too. Very smart man, a secular man until the very end of his life. And, you know, somebody asked him right before he died, they said, uh, who would of all the people that you've written about, who would you like to meet? He said, oh, without a doubt, Jesus Christ. And everybody was shocked because that he spent his whole life writing about Voltaire and writing about writing about these historical figures and and Nietzsche and all this. And they said, well, that's, you know, the mind blown. Like how, why is that? He goes, oh, because I wanted to, I wanted to be like him. I want to, I wish, I wish to God that I could have that sort of mentality. I wish I could live by his rules. 
And so I thought that was interesting. And so I'm kind of the same way I got to, to later in life. And I just, uh, I embrace the story of Jesus, especially if you look at all of the figures in, in theology or mythology, there's only one that went to the force of evil and threw them out of the temple. And that's the money changers that the root of all evil is the love and the lust of money and power. And that's who controls our world today. Jesus got it right. And that's why I follow him. Mr. Jeffries, what's going on, sir? Take us home. Well, certainly I have strong faith. Uh, Jesus is my savior. And uh, this is the whole, Easter, I think is the holy state of the year. And for a lot of people, it's uh, the only hope they have left. You know, the fact that they they can can look back and remember that uh, Jesus you know, did the most impossible thing imaginable. He rose from the dead. There's a great meme out there that you can see that's been making the rounds about, uh, they said, let's remember the most unsuccessful lockdown of all time. And then they show a picture of the open uh, tomb, you know, and so that was, that's what I think is pretty cool. So remember that uh, they can't lock down. So that that's, we have our faith. And especially now I call this a spiritual battle. It absolutely is. And really that's all we have. You have faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it, it means something. And especially in times like that, when so many people are struggling, we're living in a, such a tyr tyrannical world. Doesn't seem like anybody in power, we can trust or is working for us. You know that you have the Lord on your side and uh, you know, that's, that's, that's all you need. I, I agree, man, with, with, with all of that. I, um, to take it a step further, I, I believe Jesus came here to show us how to be human, to show us, uh, you know, walk in the steps of Jesus Christ and try to be as much as you can be. And we have fallen way short of that. <laughs> And and while we continue to move forward with all the artificial, we're for we're going to just we're just digging our own graves even more. Right. So, I mean, he rose from the dead. Uh, can we rise from the dead? I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But uh, uh, I'm going to take it back to, to to La Bamba. I don't know if you guys have ever seen La Bamba. It's one of the greatest movies ever, ever freaking. Richie made. Valens. Uh, yes, right. Yes, Richie Valentine. And uh, he he went down to Mexico. His brother took him down to Mexico and they had a whole, you know, like shaman ritual or whatever. And uh, and he told them, you know, um, to live is to dream. To die is to awaken. So when we die, do we really just resurrect and go back to the father? Man, I think maybe that's the true life. Nece not necessarily what we're living right now. Um, you know, it's, it's a very important uh, uh, day for me, even though I don't necessarily subscribe to the literal sense of the word of what went down uh, tomorrow, you know, or, or what they're saying went down tomorrow. But um, my kids are getting baptized tomorrow. I'm very, very happy about that. You know, um, it's, it's going to be a beautiful day. I wanted to get you, your, your guys' thoughts on Easter uh, since, you know, um, we are all of faith, even though it, our ways of looking at it may differ. We, we still believe in Jesus Christ. Um, and, and Wayne, thank you very much for that breakdown. That was beautiful, man. And so, so, so was yours, Tone and Don's. Let's get up out of here. All you beautiful people in the chat, what is going on? We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in week after week after week. Everybody in YouTube, listen, come back next week. We'll shout you all out, okay? Um, Don Jeffries, the legendary. Tell them where they can find you. Uh, DonaldJeffries.media is the website. Uh, please subscribe to me on Substack if you haven't already, DonaldJeffries.substack.com. Look for the book on COVID coming out very soon, as soon as I get shared 10 pennies forward. Fantastic. Mr. Arterburn, what's going on? Tell them about Wolfpack, man. 
You got it. Uh, my website uh, for all my personal stuff, my radio show, arterburn.news, my last name.news. Um, and then the sponsor of this program uh, is wolfpack.gold, which is uh, powered by Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. But Wolfpack is a membership program. I saw a, a comment uh, in the, the YouTube chat and Kat was asking about uh, you know seniors on fixed income. And um, yeah, if you look at Wolfpack, it starts at $50 a month and we usually put silver in there. It's and we give you a detailed invoice, try to get you at least 50 bucks worth of retail silver. Um, there'll be some fractional pieces in there. Last month I put gold in, I lost money because I promised people I would, but I'm happy. To, I mean, we're doing well with it and I've got hundreds of members all over the country and it's growing every day. So um, it's a sponsor to this program. And, and again, uh, it's just a way for people to get, just set it and forget it. We buy for you. We ship directly uh, to your door. And uh, there's not a lag time. Like once your billing happens, it's usually in the next couple 48 hours, you're going to get a shipment. I've got it pretty much automated now. Um, so go check that out um, and uh, support the program and, and uh, see if that's right for you. Wolfpack.gold. Fantastic. Shouts to the dude, man, dear, half dear, half amazing. What's going on? The Knights of the Storm. What's going on? Uh, Chris Graves. I saw him. Uh, uh, Guard Goldsmith was in the chat. What's going on to all of you? Rhonda Tate. I saw you. Um, everybody, man, harps, what's going on? Uh, I'm doing this off top. Uh, Kat, thank you for always bringing an incredible perspective to our show. You always have something very insightful to say. Kat Goya, Felix, uh, Caraballo is always the first one without a doubt. He's there before we even start airing. All right. Mr. Wayne McCroy, the incomparable Wayne McCroy. Thank you very much for coming huh? We always appreciate you. Tell the people where they can find you. Thank you again, gentlemen. Always a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thanks again. And if people could find me, I'm right over on Rockfin, rockfin.com backslash Wayne McCroy. I also have the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast, which is available on Spotify and mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. That's check right. it out there. And the alchemicalbeacon.substack.com. I write some articles and put them there as well. I'm in a lot of places. I've been a busy guy. So <laughs> I have books, too. I always forget to mention my books, and I probably should. So just uh, Google my name. You'll find my books. I appreciate all the support, gentlemen. Thank you, as always. What's up, man? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, on the fringe really soon, Wayne. I got I to gotta get you back on. We got we to gotta talk about some things. Number six. What's up, Six? How you doing? Good to see you in the chat, uh, as usual. Angus Mustang, what is going on? As usual. Love you, too uh who else who else can i get before we get out of here i don't know the real mccoy what's up buddy how you doing all right my name is billy ray valentine billy the kid you know where to find me the infinite fringe.podbeam.com go check it the infinite fringe on apple podcast had an episode with the legendary mr vince agnelli and, and i got a lot of a lot of feedback on that show good lord people were hitting me up left and right about buying property and <laughs> I'm like, man, go hit up Vince. I'm not the right guy. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but, but I got a lot of feedback for that. It was, it was a dope show. Um, and of course, right here, America unplugged every Saturday, 12 PM Eastern with, uh, with the crew. You know, we come in here, uh, every, every week we enjoy it very much. We enjoy talking to each other. And most of all, we love talking to all of you. So thank you very much. We will see you when we see you next week, Lord willing. Okay. And, uh, don't burn the place down while we're gone. Tone, play us out. You got it.